This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Okay, we are dealing now with the Parsha of Ha'aloischa. And the Parsha of Ha'aloischa does not contain so many mitzvahs from the Tariq mitzvahs, and it's from the 613 that are um, more ongoing mitzvahs. It's it's, it's dealing more with... um, a few stories and some things that were going on in the Midbar only for that time that were not to be continued for any other generation, so therefore they're not included in, in the 1630 misses. Uh, but I believe that they are connected, that there is a relationship between these different parts, and I'm always, always trying to find um, uh, ways to understand how the mitzvahs in a given parsha are connected and uh, even with the stories in the parsha and how what we can learn from them because I believe that that's all very significant. Uh, the, the rabbis were always trying to find ways of understanding a deeper significance to things, the way that they're placed in sequence. That also has a great bearing on uh, what we can uh, gain from them. So anyway, in this parsha, we start with the mitzvah of Baalois uh, Chesaneros, which is the mitzvah of of Van Arnakoyin to um, to light the menorah. And lighting anything that gives light, especially the menorah, is uh, we're talking about not only a physical light. Of course, you know there is a physical action of uh, of kindling the, the the flames of of the menorah itself, but the menorah itself represents something on a higher level, being the intellect, the the uh, the mind, the brain, uh, and the intellectual aspect of uh, of Yiddishkeit, which is. Those who are familiar with the spheres know that um, the three first spheres of the ten are the so-called intellectual, you know, mind-oriented mitzvahs. They're called the moichen, which is keser chachmubina or chachmubina v'das, depending how you look at it. Um, and those are kind of set apart from the seven lower midas of chesed v'etiferes. That's a great insight. So we have the menorah itself having seven branches, obviously representing those seven lower middas. And um, the fact that they are kindled to give off light, that light is the light of the, uh, of the higher moichen of those, of that, that light of intellect being brought down and illuminating those midas so that we can control them and transform them and elevate them. And the fact that the uh, koyan is instructed to light the menorah until the flame goes up on its own, so to speak. In other words, the, the flame has to uh, take hold. And this is a concept that the the light is haloisre as aneros. The word is uh, based on the word for aliyah that we're bringing it up. It's it's being elevated in some way. So in some in one sense, the light is being being brought down from its heavenly source into a physical manifestation, which is a kind of a urea that's bringing it down. 
But on the other hand, the light itself is elevating everything that it illuminates. So through the illumination is, um, is a sense of elevation. And the fact that it's Aharon Akoyin, the leader who is a uh, spiritual leader who is uh, uh, instructed to do this, is an instruction to be understood by all future generations that uh, it's incumbent upon the, uh, the spiritual leaders of that generation to uh, illuminate their generation through teaching and through uh, spiritual and intellectual uh, elevation that they are responsible for. That's what they're supposed to be accomplishing. Um, so this form of illumination is also related to the concept of what we call hisoiris. Hisoiris is the idea of an awakening. Uh, just as we illuminate darkness, and darkness is a time when we sleep because we're not aware of uh, the world. The mind is not, is not active uh, in a state of sleep. It's active in another way, but uh, it's not active in a conscious way. So to bring uh, on consciousness, you have to operating in a, in a situation of light, in, in, in a, an environment of light, and that light is during the day, happens in the morning, and um, it also is, there's an idea of illuminating the darkness, so on the one hand, the fact that the sunrise is bringing light to the world as a whole, and therefore people are waking up, uh, there's also an idea of, if we are awake in the darkness, then we have to bring our own light down by illuminating the darkness with the uh, with with the light that we bring into the world. In either case, we're talking about being awake as opposed to being asleep. And just as we're talking about bringing uh, some kind of awareness, we're also talking about the idea of waking a person up. And when a person is awakened, they you know, hopefully they're not you know too wiped out from the day before and get enough sleep. Hopefully, they are uh, able to be energized. Being awake means reading the new day, hopefully with a renewed energy, with renewed positivity, as the morning is usually a time for being positive and hoping that this day will be able to bring new chidushim, new insights and, and new breakthroughs that we didn't have before. So that's a ex- certain excitement that comes into life, specifically in the morning. By the nighttime, we're either you know tired or we're maybe disappointed about things we wanted to do that we didn't, we weren't able to do, uh, that we weren't on a higher level. <clears throat> but in the morning, we're we're optimistic and we're hopeful that you know we'll be able to accomplish something, and and um, or that we'll simply be up to the tasks that are presented to us. And we uh, have, have a positive, optimistic uh, attitude, and, and we have a sort of a certain psych, uh, a certain um, psyched up, let's say, where we're, we're uh, hyped up or psyched up or whatever to be able to uh, greet the new day. Um, so it's up to the leaders not only to just instruct us and give us intellectual um, information, but to also uh, bring us that historius to motivate us so that we're excited and, and um, uh, motivated to do the things that we're supposed to be doing. So there's another mitzvah in the Torah, 
which we're instructed to do, which is actually part of the Tying Mitzvahs, is to create trumpets. There was a brass instrument that was carved out of silver. Moshevin himself uh, created a couple of these. Um, they were buried with him, or they were they disappeared when he was when he t- passed away. So Kali uh, still did not have the benefit of using them after that. Although in the Besamekdash we do have trumpets, so they weren't those trumpets, but they were other trumpets. Anyway, um, in either case, what is a trumpet for? So the trumpet being the loudest of uh, available instruments in the uh, in the Besamekdash and in the temple. Um, possible exception, exception of the shoifer, which was used for a similar purpose, um, was intended to wake people up. Um, specifically, it's used in the midbar, in the, in the desert, it was used to uh, signify like an alarm that, you know, now it's time to move on, it's time to pick up the whole camp and, and move it uh, forward to the next uh, destination. Which is uh, the uh, Parsha also goes into significant detail describing how they pick themselves up in the exact order of the whole procession and how they travel through the midbar with, with a great uh, fanfare. <laughs> we talk about the word fanfare, you know, till today, fanfare is used as something meaning um, a signal which, uh, which signifies something uh, is happening, something important is happening, and gets, you know, draws people's attention and wakes them up and, 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 and you know, prepares them for this event that's going to happen. So the, the Yidin picking up and going to the next destination in the middle was a, was a significant event I mean, that was involved a, a whole people, you know, getting up from their encampment and you know, putting things away, putting things into, into, into order and, and uh, picking themselves up again in this particular uh, order which was intended to mimic or, or reflect or manifest the, um, the uh, Merkava, the, the holy chariot, which is talked about in Parshat Yechezkel, the, the um, different the four faces of the the lion and the and the, and the, the eagle and the and the ox and man um, which surrounds this holy chariot which exists on the level of Elam Abriya the level of the uh, second of the layers of creation and um, just as that goes around and uh, brings Hashem's presence, so to speak, to different parts of the of the creation. The Yidden going through the desert brought Hashem's presence to different areas of the desert in order to uh, to uh, elevate the sparks that were in those particular places that had to be elevated, which is also an Indian of Baha'u'llah, of the, the elevation that takes place uh, that we're talking about with the menorah. And um, this was the traveling through the Midbar. It was a very, uh, a very significant event. Um, it also is, uh, the, the, the trumpets are used as a uh, fanfare to signify battle, um, to signify battle, that they, um, when you go to the battle, you also use the trumpets, like a rallying cry, whatever you want to call it. Um, also an idea of awakening. can't be sleepy when you go into battle. And um, the other aspect is um, in the Bismarck itself, by the Kabbalists, 
that uh, certain kabbalas on the holidays and even individual kabbalas taking place every day uh, were accompanied with these trumpets. So one could ask, here we're talking, we can understand that you need the trumpets in order to bring everyone together, to, uh, to, uh, uh, you know, to, to travel or to uh, go to battle or whatever. That's, is a, that's a normal uh, function that a trumpet would have, but what do you need it for in the Bismillah? And we're told that the reason for that is that, number one, people have to be awakened to appreciate the significance of what's going on in the Bismillah. And also to awaken them to do tshuva because you can't do tshuva, which it has to the kabbalists have to be accompanied by the internal process of doing tshuva. That has to be in the sense, in the sense of of being awakened to first the way that was done and how to do tshuva and, and a desire to do tshuva. That's all in a in a very intense and uh, and uh, aware state of mind. And the, uh, also the fact that something very significant is happening here. Because when a korban is made, whether it's to do tshuva or kapora, or doing tshuva atonement or something, or if it's simply uh, the uh, celebration of whatever holiday it is, there's an idea that this is accomplishing big things in the higher worlds. It's affecting the higher worlds uh, very, very deeply. So it's not just um, killing animals, and it's not just um, you know, uh, even just praising Hashem. It's something that is causing change. Something that is actually something is happening. Besides, we are uh, we're doing that uh, that avoida. That's it's one of the things that the whole world stands on is the avoida of the kahanim and the, the besamikdash. And um, similarly, uh, correspondingly, today, uh, when we daven, when we when we daven shachos min chamarev in the besmedrish, that's also connected the kabbonis. That's that's uh, corresponds to the the sacrifices that were done in the besamikdash. So it's all one thing. Um, and when we say the kabbonis, we in a sense are accomplishing those same things that the kabbonis did when we offered them in the. Uh, in, in the Bismillah, and that is why it's very important not to skip those sections that talk about the Kabbalahs in the davening, in the Siddur. We have to uh, take those very seriously. Just you know, that's that's a necessary uh, uh, step in the whole process of of uh, serving Hashem is to. That's our that's our way of reenacting uh, what happened in the Bismillah, and uh, to the extent that. The parish um, from the Ramak on, on the Siddur mentions that the words that we speak in, in, in the, when we say the kabbalas with the proper kabbalas, with the proper you know when we have the right things in, in mind, are actually accomplishing the same kind of tikkun. They're they're doing they're they're doing the same, uh, accomplishing the same effect in the higher worlds that were accomplished when the kabbalas were actually brought in the, in the Mishkan and in the Mishamikdash. So it's a very significant thing. So we're we're grading this fanfare in the Bismillah itself to make sure, first of all, that people, again, are awake, but also that they take it seriously exactly how uh, important a job we're doing here. And this is not to be done just in a uh, haphazard or uh, uh, lackluster uh, manner. So the fact is that, in general, this is something that um, that we have to take very seriously um, 
is this concept of are we serving Hashem in a in a sleepy way, or are we doing it in a way that is aware and uh, with our full energy and attention? And the story that is told in this parsha about how the Yidden uh, fell to this low level of uh, of complaining about the man and about how in Mitzrayim they were uh, had such good food and uh, you know for free and this and that and and uh, you know now all we have is the man and you know this is uh, this is so much worse than what you know we 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 uh, think back on what we had in the time was so much better uh, which was considered to be a tremendous chutzpah that they should be complaining like that and uh, because really if you think about it uh, it's it's pretty amazing that these people could be complaining. First of all, in in one sense, they were so aware of the presence of Hashem. They they really saw that Hashem was there, and um, because there were so many obvious uh, signs of Hashem's presence with the uh, the pillar of fire and the pillar of smoke, and uh, you know Hashem talking to Moshe Rabbeinu, and and all these. This was only like the second year of the. Uh, of, of after left after they left Mitzrayim, so it was all this stuff was going on, and, and there were obvious miracles every day. And the man itself was such a miracle food, the way it could be transformed to taste like anything, and they could make it in so many different ways. And if it fell by itself, all you had to go do was go out and and, and gather it, and all this, this these amazing things that are happening with the man, and, and that we they got a double portion on on, on Friday, you know, every Shabbos, and then they didn't get it on Shabbos at all. All oh, it's just like one big miracle. And they still, even with all of that, they, uh, the Yidin were, were uh, so weak, in a sense, that, or they were so affected by the complaints brought by the Erev Rav, which was the, uh, uh, the Asaf Suf, the, the, the riffraff that uh, came out with them, um, that they were, that they fall, fell into this trap and they were, uh, you know, it was considered to be a major downfall. The fact that they that they fell into that, that they wanted, they desired uh, this food that they'd had uh, back in back in this time where their lives were so miserable. Um, so what is it that, what do we have to see from that is that when a person looks at the world as purely a physical thing and they don't connect it up with the spiritual source and or what it represents... Um, then they can fall into this trap of thinking that, um, you know, of, 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 of forgetting the fact that they're living in this spiritual reality and that that's on such a higher level that, you know, what does it really matter if they, if, if what the food tastes like or, or that, you know, if they have as much food as they had or, or even to think that they would rather be in a place which was on such a low level and where they were being so oppressed and everything else, they forget all of this because they're just taken up by the physical desire. But that is the power that Hashem put into the Sahara to blind us and to uh, dull our, our uh, awareness of the spirituality to the extent that we get taken over by the physicality and that becomes our reality. So, so it's kind of a rhyme there. So the point is that, that it's, it's because it's basically numbing us 
to the spirituality and making us super aware of the physicality so that we, our minds are totally hijacked. Um, and the very fact that the Yitzhahora has the power to do this means that we must be constantly vigilant and, and awaking ourselves constantly to see the, the um, spiritual aspect, which is not uh, necessarily, especially, you know, in the world today. I mean, we're not in the midbar anymore, so we don't have all of those very obvious signs of spirituality, so we have to really look at it even more closely. So we have to make an extra um, effort to keep that sense of spirituality alive and to be in a state of wakefulness as opposed to, not the state of wokenness, but a safe state of wakefulness as opposed to being verschliffen, to be, to be this, this sleepiness, this, this, uh, this lack of awareness, this um, uh, being totally blind really to the, all the spirituality that's really around us. If, you know, as if they in such a spiritual reality where you could even see it in the physical, were blinded to the point where they could be affected by this whole taiva thing, this whole desire for, 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 for food um, that became their downfall. So how much the more so today where we see the physical around us all over the place and lots of times we are, we're blind to the rukmias, that we could be affected that way. So... The, one of the biggest challenges we have is to uh, overcome this sleepiness, this this uh, this uh, you know the, the wool over our eyes that the Yitzhahora is constantly putting there, and to constantly be wiping that away and trying to remain on a level of wakefulness and and understanding what's really going on. Um, so that is, to a large extent, what we can learn from the connection of these parshias. Now, one uh, follows the other. And um, it should uh, teach us that um, this we have to be constantly working on being on the level of appreciating just how significant the spiritual acts that we do are and the spiritual reality around us. Uh, we have to make an extra effort to be aware of that all the time. Because of the position that we have in the Bria, is what Hashem has uh, given us as our mission to accomplish, that we're essentially running the show in the sense that we're, we're leading the uh, manifestation of Hashem in the world, that has to be taken very seriously, and you can compare it to a person falling asleep at the wheel, where he is endangering the lives of both himself and any other people he might be affecting, uh, because of the fact that driving a car is, uh, or any other vehicle, is a, a very important responsibility and has to be taken seriously. So in the sense that we are in a leadership uh, role in the creation as a whole, that uh, means that we have to be particularly vigilant and uh, careful and be uh, at our best all the time or as close to all the time as possible so that we don't uh, mess things up for ourselves and for others.